No, what I want to do, what I want to do is he's a super fan of wrestling. What I want to do is I want to get a super fan of modern dance and then put them together <laughs> and see how you just <laughs> battle it out. <laughs> yeah, you Boring. know. Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm just trying to be free as this song. Wait a second now. You can't tell me it's wrong. When I'm trying to be free as this song. Hey, what's up? Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Idea Lemons Discover Your Inner Awesome Podcast. My name is Rajiv Nathan. I am the co-founder of Idea Lemon and the co-host of this damn show. You heard? As always, I am alongside my co-host, Martin McGovern. And this is the podcast where we straight up have kick-ass conversations with dope-ass people. And what I mean by that is we sit down with entrepreneurs, artists, and musicians. And we pick a question, an important question, a pressing life question that people like us always think about but we never really get the chance to talk about. And we explore that for about an hour. So this particular episode was really cool because we did this out of the studios in at WBEZ in Chicago. So like if you've ever heard of Serial, if you've ever heard of the great stuff on NPR, we were in that studio in Chicago, live from WBEZ. We were with Don Hall and Tyler Green, hosts of the General Admission Podcast as well as hosts of the Moth Story Slam, a really fun storytelling event in Chicago. So given their backgrounds in storytelling and their experience in storytelling, this one was simple. We sat down and we talked about and explored the question, how do you tell a great story? Tons of laughs, tons of good insight in this episode. Before we dive in, if you are not on idealemon.com already, get your ass over there, subscribe to our newsletter, see all the cool stuff we got going on where we talk about things like this to help you build a better career and just an awesome personal brand. That does it for this intro. Let's dive into our conversation now with Tyler Green and Don Hall, where we explore how do you tell a great story. Let's listen in. So, okay, so this is pretty cool. We're live in the... Well, I guess it's a pre-recorded thing, so we're not sure. technically... We're, 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 we're physically live. We are alive. Blood is pumping. Ears. With Don Hall and Tyler Green of the Moth Story Slam, as well as General Admission, to wonderful WBEZ publications. We're just going to you know, we're just gonna tickle the balls of WBEZ for a little bit. Yeah, a little ball, <laughs> little ball rub is always good. Right under the microphone. Uh, this is our Discover Your Inner Awesome podcast. Um... What we love to do to get started with these conversations is, so the topic for today is how do you tell a compelling or how do you tell a great story or what makes a great story? And you guys both kind of like leaped onto that when we gave you a list of here's what we could talk about. Why do you get, why did you guys gravitate towards this topic uh, like right away? Probably because we hear a lot of stories doing the moth and, and working for WBEZ. So we hear a lot of shitty stories. <laughs> and so we have very strong opinions on, uh, I think, how you take a very shitty story and make it not shitty. <laughs> yeah. And I would add, too, that like the podcast that we do, which I produce, edit, and... Uh, he does all the fucking work. I just show up and <laughs> talk. <laughs> I do That's all the work. Uh, I'm glad you said it. Uh, I always say it, Tyler. You know, hey, me I too. I produce and edit our podcast. Yeah, that's like, Martin. Martin writes the show notes. So they, uh, he, so he I don't even part. write the show notes. I don't even, even do research. <laughs> I yell at him when he does the research. Yeah, he <laughs> screams yeah. at me. But the point being that you have to also consider story when you're producing a show, a show like that as well, too. So I think obviously like every day we're inundated with stories in everything we do if it's the moth story slam at an event or if it's don going out and doing any of his different storytelling nights that he does which he does a lot of or last night i went to a storytelling night called outspoken which is lgbtq storytelling night at sidetrack here in Mm -hmm. chicago you know uh pretty much every day even I'm thinking now, like even at home sitting on the couch, you're I'm thinking about life through story. Well, advertising every everything that we do in when it in terms of communication boils down to story. Anything that's not a story ends up just getting it just gets it's flotsam and nobody listens to it because flotsam? we flotsam and jetsam, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, it's not another word that I made up. Is it's that just like a when word. you have like Latin placeholder copy he on a website? A lot of I do not make up <laughs> words. Flotsam. His 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 he went to the Harvard of the Midwest in Kalamazoo College and he doesn't he has the vocabulary of a seventh grader. I swear to God, he, every time I say a word he doesn't understand, you just made that up. No, it, it's actually, not that I, I don't know the word. It's the fact that you say it in normal everyday speech. <laughs> like who says flotsam? I 
I mean, I can, we, can I you just wait? Did. Can you define flotsam? Flotsam I, I and jetsam flotsam. are they, they are basically two different kinds of detritus that you would find detritus. in detritus. Wait, so we just dropped another balls just because you can't think of in the ocean. This is the kind of stuff that you find in the ocean. You know, it's flotsam and jetsam. You you have everything from yeah, you have everything from like broken boards and things like that to actual organic things from the ocean, and that's what flotsam and jetsam is. Okay. Okay, I know SpongeBob lives in the ocean. Jesus God. <laughs> I am surrounded by fourth graders. I swear to God. Hey, okay, the yes. average vocabulary, I think, of the I think the average American's vocabulary is somewhere in the fourth to sixth grade, right? I think you're probably and right. And actually what's on TV and everything and in media, the average vocabulary. Well, isn't that why Dr. Seuss created those books? It wasn't to uh, you know, he hated kids. He just yeah. created that because he wanted to find the base of language yeah. and put it into books. Or he had a challenge or something. You gotta be closer, I'm sorry. Uh, he had a challenge of like only use this many words to write a book and that's what he came up with well that's a great see and i don't make up the words i actually they're <laughs> real words that you know that i that i've read and stories also contain words yeah yes. and we're back. Ooh, i like, <laughs> I like that he's the master of the same well wait, so, so to go on your guys yeah. point of like so tyler you're saying like they're you're embedded in stories every day i think what so obviously you're in like the storytelling industry right more or less, sure, the yes. industry. But you don't need to be in the storytelling industry to be surrounded by stories every day. Like, so we do branding work for people. Like, I consider myself a storyteller in many facets. Like, I'm a rapper. The blog content I write, the stuff we do with the podcast, these are all forms of stories. And I've noticed recently that any given situation that I am in, like, it could just be like at the gym. It could be in the grocery store. If something interests me, I'll like my mind will be go will go. What's this? Is there a story here? Yeah, and, and, and like what, is. What, what is what elements are coming together to make this happen? Yeah. Well, when you mentioned earlier, you said that you see a lot of shitty stories. Yeah. Mm. And you want to know how to make the shitty stories good stories. But can any shitty story become a good story? Yes. Or what are some of the ones that you've heard? Oh, absolutely. The thing is, and this is just you know, in terms of personal stories, but I, I think I think structure writing um uh the things that really i think make a great story like if it's a personal first person story just uh, is the tendency that a lot of people have is to make themselves the hero you know and that i do that all the time it's not very and honestly (laughs) and honestly it's not fucking interesting Watching you talk about how fucking great you are is a drag. What we want to hear about is how many times you failed. We want to hear about how you failed and how, what you learned from it. You know, Because at, at the base of storytelling, at the base of this kind of thing, is that, and I say this at the Moth, is that we're all basically the same. Every Okay, uh, I'll give you an example. Um, culture is one of those things that tends to separate us. Okay, Albany Park Theater... Uh, it's the Albany Park Theater Festival District. It's, they're, they're in Albany Park. They're a bunch of kids. Um, and they're all from a variety of ne- ethnicities. And they all wanted to talk about food. They all wanted to talk about the ways, you know, they, being, they really want to talk about their cultures, their personal cultures. And they're all second and third generation Americans. And they want to talk about their culture. So they created a show called Feast. Why? Because everybody, no matter what culture you come from, knows what it feels like to be hungry. Mm-hmm. And everybody, no matter what culture you come from, knows what it li- it's like to eat something delicious when you are. So they did an entire show. And it's all based on like these mythological stories that come from this is how you make this. This is why my great grandmother made this specific stew and it all has this mythology to it it's fascinating and you and you are sucked in it's not about heroism it's about this thing we all have in common Mm -hmm. and so i think uh, a shitty story is based on your own personal experience without any commonality any universal commonality with anybody else and i would jump in and say too that just based on an experience i had the other day uh you know Every every story, no matter what format it takes, can benefit from an editor. And well, yeah. this is speaking from somebody who writes really long emails and yeah. has <laughs> him edit them. But you know, if you sit in, if you're sitting at a bar and you're at a storytelling night and somebody tells a 25 uh-huh. minute story, did this happen to you recently? <laughs> Last maybe, night, maybe. <laughs> um, do you? Like, does somebody actually want to listen to anybody for 25 minutes? Yes. I mean, maybe maybe David Foster Wallace, rest in peace, but, like, who else? Like, I don't know. Like, okay, I'll give you an example. Mike Daisy. Mike Daisy yeah, does, Mike Daisy, the... he does a two and a half hour <laughs> show, and he sits for two and a half yeah, hours. Yeah, man, and okay. Does, you'd find it boring. No, no, I no, I don't find, no, do not put words in my mouth. I do not find Mike Daisy boring. Do not <laughs> yeah. put that in the public space. I love Mike Daisy. Well, you just kind of sighed. No, I'm just you, saying, you know, I'm I think saying... uh, Spalding Gray could sit for two hours and, and tell 
a long story. They are story. the exceptions to the rule. Most people can benefit from an editor. And I your agree. question was, can any bad story be turned into a good story? Yes. My Part of my response to that question is yes, if it's cut down or if it's focused or if it's uh, even in the context yeah, of you your that. hero thing. I like I love that. I mean, that's something I learned from him. And and I've been doing the moth for, for five years. And something that the major lesson I learned from him was that you're not the hero of your own story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and even it, in writing my own stories, I always return to that mantra because yeah. it, it cuts off a lot of fat. Yeah, it cuts off fat. And and I, I think the other thing in terms of make, taking a shitty story and making it a better story, a lot of what I would consider bad stories, you're still bleeding. You don't don't tell a story about your wound while it's still bleeding. Wait yeah. till it's a scar. you know. Huh. And so sometimes it's just a matter of give it some time and some perspective. I, I've, yeah. I'm reading I'm reading Ron Johnson's uh, The Public Shaming book. And one of the things, and I can't remember the name of that. So you've been publicly shamed. Yeah. And it's actually f- fascinating. But one of the second person he talks to is the woman that made the uh, the really horrible, well, it, it, it's- Airplane it's, tweet? Yeah, the airplane yeah. tweet. The, the racist airplane oh, yeah. tweet. Oh, which was Wait, just he interviews bad, her in the book? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. It's a whole section. And one of the things that's very interesting is that, and I just, I'm like I said, I'm, I'm just halfway through the book, but she says, okay, I'm done with this interview and I'll talk to you in five months because she's convinced that in five months right now, at that moment when she said that she felt like she was hopeless, like her life would never turn around. And she, for some reason, decided five months was the, the amount of time and then she would re- be in, re-interviewed so that at least in those five months, she could try to find her way out of it. Yeah. So it wasn't this tragic tale he was telling. It was like, here's the thing that happened to her and here's where she's rising up. And I think that was a smart impulse on her part because it's like, okay, shit happens. We get, you know, people break up with us. We, you know, suddenly we have memories of being, you know, molested, whatever it is. Give it some space because standing up in front of an audience and using them as your therapist is just a drag. Yeah. And one of the things that I always like, I, we could for the Moth Story Slam. So I produced the Moth Story Slams in Chicago, which is actually not a WBEZ product, but it's uh, WBEZ's the media sponsor of, I should clarify. Uh. But um, so whenever I'm coaching the judges, whose only requirement is that they have been to the Moth before, that's <laughs> That's it. Um, whenever I have to exist, they, they have to be there. They don't um, even have to speak the language. But, they just have to be there. Well, that might be helpful. But one yeah. of the things that I tell them um, is that um, a, sto- a story is a journey. Quite literally, you go from A to B. So you're listening tonight for stories that have a journey. It, they go somewhere. But if somebody's in the middle of something, they're still bleeding, so to speak. In Don's words. There's no B. There's there's just right. A, and then like you're still in A. And then A point A point two A point four. There's well A, and that's really interesting because yeah. right now we're in this environment where everyone's saying blog everything you do every day, and you've got people like live tweeting their divorces and things like that. Mm. So how do you guys Ugh. do? You, do you see any examples? Like we've seen someone who uh, on our podcast before, uh, Landis, she would write about the dates she'd go on. Um, and she had this uh, entire blog about the dating life of someone in their 20s, um, which I think works because you're not so heavily invested and it's lots of little stories that maybe do have beginning and beginnings and ends. But what do you guys think of the overall environment? I think there are two different uh, – because actually I think there's anecdotes and then there's stories. Mm. Anecdotes are this just happened to me. That they're not a, a story has a structure. A story, whether or not you have like here's the moral, because I don't like stories that say here's the moral. But a story has a point that you are making. It, it it's not just hey look I exist and this is happening to me. That's an anecdote. And there's plenty, and I think there's plenty of room for anecdotes. That's what small talk is based on. All of small talk is based on anecdotes. <laughs> and I would say any story written on Twitter is probably just a series of anecdotes. And if you're smart, if you're really on top of it, if you've got a plan when you're tweeting that, there have been some incredible writers that have created long stories out of 140 character shots. But that's something you can't just have that happen. That's something you got to No, it's focus. planned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's going to plan that kind of stuff out. Absolutely. I think the same thing goes for blogging. If you're going to blog, you know, here's, I, I think that's actually a pretty good example. Here are my dates. Know that there's going to be a point where it's going to end. Either you're going to meet somebody, you're going to kill yourself, <laughs> You know, you're gonna you're gonna you know gonna be celibate, whatever the what? fuck it is. There's gonna be no when you're gonna. Well, and in her case, she just know. decided like 
I'm done with this chapter yeah. of my life. Oh, I'm shutting yeah. down the blog. Or, okay. it'll, it'll, for she became a nun. And, and so that makes, She's not yeah. a nun. <laughs> so that, that becomes its own little sort of like true life novel. You know, it's like here are the series of dates. I can think of a, a million books where like here's a series of things that happened yeah. to this one character. Now, as a first person thing, it's a it's more of a memoir than it is. Uh, a story or a novel or something like that. But then you could take that if she took decided to say, okay, I wrote this when she was 35 years old. So, you know, I could take that and actually make that, make some hay out of it. She could take all those blogs, stitch them together in a way and make it a huge story. Yeah. And that's an interesting, yeah. that's a, that's a pretty interesting challenge, but I'm not sure in, in the format it is right now, it qualifies as a story so much as yeah. just a series of anecdotes. Well, and so on that note too, and that, that brings into play, like, there's the snippet and then there's the longer narrative that's stitched together. So like a lot of what I write for idea 11 for our blog and our email newsletter is like the stories of my life or the anecdotes of my life to help people to be like, Hey, here's what just happened to me. Here's how you can learn from it. That kind of thing. Uh, And a lot of it is like getting people to the aspirational point. Like here's how you do this. Like here's how I did it. It worked. Here's how you do it. Uh, But what's really funny is very recently. um, So we're, we're tonight. We're going to be at general assembly uh, teaching a workshop on personal branding. Okay. And so to promote this workshop, I wrote an email out to our newsletter tribe a couple of weeks ago. And I said, the title of the email was how you get introduced to the hot friend. And it was a story from the previous weekend of me being at a wedding and someone, you know, just through like being like in control of myself and knowing how to talk about myself, someone at the wedding introducing me to her hot friend. And what's funny is I got a text from a friend of mine out of nowhere and he goes, I don't mean to pick a fight with you, but that's honestly the most narcissistic thing I've ever read. <laughs> Good grief. And you know, like very composed. I go, I'm just telling a story, man. I got to, yeah. I got to, I got to, I got to showcase personal branding and confidence to sell personal branding and confidence. And I go, but why, tell that me, true. but please tell me, I'm curious to know why you feel this way. And then he went on this diatribe of like, I just, I didn't buy into the character you were telling at all, yada, yada, yada. And I was like, okay, that's valid. He's like, and you make yourself out to be like this knight in shining armor while everyone else looks like douchebags. And I'm like, okay, but what you're not understanding is, A, I'm trying to, I'm not giving away the secret sauce because I'm trying to tell people to come to this event to get the secret sauce. And also, you can say this is bad storytelling, but look at the longer narrative of everything else I've been writing recently. Like, you're yeah. t- like this is the one thing you've decided to pick out of, of my writing and read it and say, this guy's a douche, this guy's a douchebag, you're a jackass, you're narcissistic, yeah. but you haven't read anything else or listened to any of our podcasts where we expose so much of ourselves and we go through the struggles of what we're going through. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's where it's so easy to, whether it's a tweet you know, or you, know, you can take something Kanye West says, for instance, and it's like, oh, look what Kanye said. And I'm not necessarily defending or, or yeah. against them or whatever, but like, it's like, okay, but can we at least give people the benefit of the doubt and look at a little bit of their body of work before we make these snap judgments that yeah. this one piece represents everything about them? Yeah, it's, I think we do make a lot of, uh, I make a lot of snap judgments. I get upset when people make snap judgments and then I just go turn around and I make a snap judgment. So like, for example, we listen to 10 stories for every story slam times two story slams a month times 12. That's 20 times 12. So what is that? Like... 240, uh-huh. 240, <laughs> 240 plus probably Vocabulary another. Vocabulary and math. Kalamazoo College rocks. <laughs> probably another like just 100. So there's over 300 stories that you hear. A lot of the storytellers that we hear from are the same people who are like on this storytelling circuit world universe thing. And so I watch them and give them the benefit of the doubt. So if it's a poor story, they didn't prepare or just it wasn't ready yet. I will instantly sort of be like, it's okay, they'll come back and do it. Mm-hmm. But and, and so I'm invested in those people. But if it's Kanye West or if it's this idea you mentioned earlier about the dates and immediately I was like, oh my God, that sounds like something I do not want to be involved with at all. <laughs> um, then I'm judgy. And so like, I don't know where that breaks down or where... I, I think, uh, well, I mean, I think part of it is we're, we are now in a place, I mean, I'm, I'm probably, I, I know I'm the oldest person in this room. I know I'm probably <laughs> yes, the are. only, I know I'm, I'm definitely the only... <laughs> Combined. The only <laughs> I am the only Anna person Bridges. in this room that was uh, that was uh, walking and talking before computers were a regular thing. Before yeah. there was how an was the Kennedy uh, <laughs> kick your ass? Was that I like, wasn't born similar then. to yeah. when Obama I wasn't was elected? Born then. Was I, he's like already the, done. The we already had that conversation. The, the culture, but I think <laughs> one, one of the things that's very interesting, and I've noticed it, is is 
you know, everybody talks about how, oh, politics is so polarized and it's Facebook's fault. No, politics has always been fucking polarized. You, all you got to do is go read about the boss Tweety times in New York City in the like yeah. the turn of the last century. It's always been this way. So yeah. that's yellow journalism has been yellow journalism since right. forever. Okay. But I do think our the way we communicate with each other is statuses and tweets. And part of that, just by its very nature, is narcissistic. It's like it's 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 the idea that anybody gives a shit what you ate, that anybody in the face of the planet Earth gives a, a flying fuck what your commute was like. However, we feel compelled to let Everybody know there's this idea that if I put it out there, then it's going to be read by people and I am sharing this information. We share so much information. You got to know that most of it is just shit. It's just who cares. It's just a thing you're doing and it's fine. But I think that starts to translate on how we communicate to each other overall. Yeah. Well, I'm not that- one that says, oh, phones. Oh, we're so tied to five. Fuck off. It's just a tool. But I think that the. the the consequence of these tools is that we don't know how to kind of just back off from ourselves and listen to each other and then tell stories that actually connect with everybody rather than just sort of here's yeah. my point of view. That is really cool, especially with the fact that um, Snapchat just came out and said that the way people talk to each other today isn't through messages anymore. It's mm-hmm. all through pictures. Yep. And so they, they did the whole like pictures worth a thousand words thing. And that's how, that's how people communicate today. It's no longer phone calls. It's no longer text message. It's sharing these visual stories. And all of our storytelling has switched from um, words to images. And I'm kind of curious because you guys mm-hmm. are in the business of words. How does that sort of play into what you sort of see the future being? I almost just, but I was just like, you say we're in the business of words, but and when we when we're at the moth and there's 250 to 300 people just sitting in a room looking at us i mean it is words we're speaking words but when you said words to me i immediately thought text but it's almost this it's an in person experience as opposed to the snapchat thing like it's not a two dimensional like uh, image on a computer it's people in a room together so I don't know that's well, I not think, a point I think it, that it, it's one of those things and I think that's it's also this is uh, I don't think it's necessarily new but it is unique in that in the internet age, we all want to have the right fucking answer right now because that gets <laughs> us the most hits. And the thing is, the war between, and I don't think it's necessarily war, but that question you just asked, that's been going along uh, since language was created because the first language was drawing shit on walls. Yeah. You know, that was the very first kind of communication was we're going to draw shit on a, on a cave wall and you're going to know what I'm talking about. And then language was developed, which is amazing. And then words formed and then that kind of thing. And I think what that that's always been sort of a, a debate, you know, what what is the best way to communicate? I don't think storytelling, the way we hear it and the way we do it, is ever going to go away as long as we speak. You know, it's been, I mean, I've got a, an article that Scott Whitehair shared with me. I think it's one of the funniest things talking about this new storytelling movement in Chicago and how they're telling stories live in front of people. And it came from the New York Times in 1898. So the thing is, it's not fucking new. <laughs> no way. It's not new. It's none of this shit is new. And I actually think in terms of pictures, when you think about the arguments that the Dadaists made in 1918, 1916 to 1918. 18, where they basically said, all of these pictures are too beautiful for us, and fuck you, we're going to destroy art. And then uh, Duchamp comes out with the Armut, uh, the, the fountain, you know, the, the urinal turned upside down and says, this is art. And everybody goes, oh my God, they're up in arms. This mm-hmm. can't possibly be art. This doesn't tell a story. This isn't, you know, boom. This is the fun of yeah. communication, is to have these kinds of arguments. I don't think the future is going to change that much. I think if you really want to know my dire prediction of the future is I think we're going to enjoy the Internet until electricity is over. And at (laughs) some point, we're going to be living in the fucking postman age where we're all in little towns and uh, and Kevin Costner is the hero. And that's the saddest thing in the planet Earth. You don't like Field of Dreams? <laughs> I, I love Field of Dreams. I actually love Kevin, Kevin Costner, but The Postman, most people hated that movie. Yeah. I actually love that movie with my heart and soul, even though it is, from a Kevin Costner report, it is the most narcissistic fucking thing. <laughs> it's like a whole three-hour movie and like two hours of it are just close-ups of Kevin Costner doing But one Kevin thing. Costner movie to make him all narcissistic. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. It's that one movie. Yeah, that's See. the one. But I do think it's funny that you, we'd, we'd like to pick that one thing out. Why do we want to be right so often? 
often? Why is it that, so bad to be wrong? Yeah. Oh my god. So that's that's huge. That and like we've talked about this before, but I, on like the Freakonomics podcast, they had that episode about the three hardest words in the English language are "I don't know." No one wants to admit is afraid to admit that they're wrong or that they may not actually know what the right answer it's is. Crazy. And yeah, it's this. I think the whole thing with wanting to be right is is being right comes with validation of what you already know. Being right comes with acceptance. Being right comes with getting pressure taken off of you, right? So, like, if you're if you're if you are proven right, it's like all these people who could be an angry mob against you, you know, in Facebook comments or whatever. Then they they backed up. And we're talking about the the, the just you're talking about the story (laughs) thing and being shitty stories and not being your own hero. I actually think it's exactly the opposite. Really, I think the I think because everybody feels like a fucking fraud. Everybody you meet feels like they're getting over on somebody and somebody's going to discover their fucking secret that they really don't know what the fuck they're doing. And they're just kind of, and guess what? If everybody feels that way, we're all in the same boat. (laughs) And so I think a great story is not look at how right I was because everybody wants to feel that way. What it is, is look at how much I fucked up and Everybody in the room Mm -hmm. can have a common universality. Everybody knows what it feels like to really screw it up. It's Lance Armstrong, the Tour de France. Exactly. You know, and we want to demonize these people. But honestly, you know, we've all done things. And if we were given that opportunity to do them, we might. We might not. But we might do those stupid, horrifying things that we just love to publicly shame. Yeah. But maybe the reason we get so crazy and publicly shame it is because, you know, in the days when you had to actually go out and get a pitchfork and a fucking, you know, torch, that was effort. Going on Twitter and calling somebody an asshat is it's so not, easy. Yeah, it's easy. It's easy. You were going to say I, something. Yeah, I was. I'm it's sorry. No, I just had to go. Talk about Mike Daisy. Jesus. Um, <laughs> God damn. Hi, I'm bad. My name's Tyler. Uh, no. Uh, who? Who is this guy? Yeah, who is this guy? Um, he's, he's my secretary. He, he's, uh, he's the gay sounding one. Oh, I am gay. I'm not gay sounding. Anyway. Um, wow. Uh, you almost say? just like scrutinized yourself. I did. I do you it did. a lot. Yes, he does. Um, no, the, uh, the, the point I was making was the sort of like the the uh, feeling compelled to be right all the time doesn't come from a fake place, right? So this is like, we argue because we care. <laughs> like, we, we don't argue for no reason. Mm-hmm. Like, we don't just arbitrarily fight with somebody. I mean, some of us do. I just yeah. pointed to Don. <laughs> because do. they get pleasure out of it. Yeah, um, but in general, like, <laughs> if I get upset about something or I am in a meeting with someone and I'm pushing a point, and it's usually because it comes from a place of concern or care. Or if you think about a relationship that you're in and you get into a fight, you're not fighting because you want to fight for the most part. You're fighting because you truly believe in something. And so a lot of these... um, even if it's these weird Twitter arguments that happen, it's it's coming from a place of real passion. And I think that, you know, at some point somebody does have to say, okay, I'm wrong. And that's the, that's the really tough part. That's why therapists exist. That's why marriage counselors make so much money. Yeah. And uh, that's why Judge Judy's so awesome. I don't well, know where that <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly I just had an image of Judge Judy and I had to com- say it. In the conversation of recent, and then I think it's a good conversation about white privilege, um, the more powerful, I, and, and, I've, and I've talked to a number of people that I know, and it's like, you know, just you have to, first step is you just have to acknowledge Knowledge that you that you recognize you have it, and I'm and for a long time I thought, what the fuck? That doesn't do anything. I, okay, I can recognize it, but that doesn't help the problem. It, but in fact, by recognizing it, you are taking yourself down the peg and going, oh, I didn't. I'm not self-made. I didn't earn any of this shit. This is a fucked up system that somehow I'm benefiting from. That's the beginning of the conversation. And everybody that I've talked to about white privilege, if they can just go. Yeah, I'm wrong. I mean, I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't do, I didn't use it badly, whatever. Where did, where did white privilege come from? I mean, it just, in terms of, that is an argument where when you, when you, when a lot of white people, when they're confronted with the idea of white privilege, they immediately like, get defensive. Of being wrong, is that what you mean? Or like, yeah, it is. Okay. It, you like, know, yeah, example, feeling right or feeling wrong. It's like the it. South yeah. Park episode where at the very end, it's like, oh, I don't understand. Like, that yeah. is the truth you have to and say it if you don't understand and that's going back um being right or wrong i love the fact that i know that i don't i mean that whole philosophical thing where it's like i know that i don't know so let's just start from there and see what we can come to as a group and i really do feel that our lives are just stories that we tell ourselves at the end of the day yeah so mm-hmm. if you tell yourself that you are you know someone who's a shut-in who never goes out who can never go on a date who 
will never be able to find love, then you're going to be someone who sits inside, never goes out, never finds love. But if you change that story and you, you know, I mean, you could call it lying to yourself, you could call it pepping yourself up, you could call it whatever you want to call it. If you change the way that you talk to yourself and you change the story of your life, then it dramatically changes. Like the fact that we're here right now, instead of sitting in offices, is because we told ourselves that our life story is not going to be one where we're in an office until we get old. And we changed that story, which led to us leaving our jobs, which led to us reaching out to you guys and all sorts of different things. And a lot of it isn't even intentional. It's not like, because it's like you can write your story, but most of our stories are written in hindsight. Yeah. You know, I mean, you stumble onto some shit and something good happens. And then somehow you want to attribute your own. I this was where I was headed. Bullshit. You just you walked in, you stepped in a puddle and you got wet and you went, oh, I wanted to be wet. Now I'm wet. I'm going to. And I filled in that part of my resume. Exactly. That's you know, it's so funny because people always ask me, like, how did you get to work at WBZ? And it was because I was interning at a theater. Yeah. In a storefront theater. I just come back from teaching English in South Korea. I was working with this guy named Patrick who had a job here uh, working the phones, talking to members who were complaining about things. And he got into Tisch School of the Arts for acting in New York. And he called me and said, do you need a job? And I said, we'll sort of have one, but I'd like to have be paid more. And then I came to BEZ, and like two weeks later, I met Don. And then like a year later, I who he thought looked like Carl Castle. And, and no, 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 no. So the image. Like. So, so, so I'm listening to Wait Wait Don't Tell man. Me. <laughs> I listen to Wait Wait Don't Tell Me the credits, you know, and I hear uh, our house manager is Don Hall, you know, and so I'm thinking Don Hall is like, and that's not how Peter says it, but yeah. I'm thinking Don Hall is like a dude in a suit. You know, who's maybe a little older, Monty a little cleaner Hall. cut. Uh, not at all. But the point being that. I never in a million years thought I would work for WBEZ and I have a theater degree. Like, who the hell knows where you're going to be, when you're going to be you're there? You're one of the people who got a theater degree and is employed. There you go. And is <laughs> utilizing it on some level yeah. every day. I have a music education degree. What the fuck am I doing with that? Nothing. <laughs> well, you I did, did. Get, but you did get to play trumpet with Harry Connick Jr. I did get to at, with, a, at a chapter at in your life. At a chapter in my life. Yeah. Oh, lots, of, lots of chapters. And lots that's, of stuff. I think that's and looking is, back, you but, can find a way to connect that. Yeah. <laughs> it all, that's the thing is hindsight is that's the best thing is you just start connecting the dots and saying, because I mean, I do that a lot where it's like, oh, I had no idea this was going to happen. And then this happened. And so that was something. And I can't take any credit for it because it just kind of happened that way. The only thing I know that is a story that sticks with me that I actually do think about almost every single day was uh, 99, a woman was walking down Wabash Avenue with her daughter and daughter in hand. And there's a plate glass on the 32nd floor of the CNR building on Wabash literally just and it had a history of this happening but it popped a plate glass popped out of the window and like a big heavy feather floated down and decapitated her on the fucking street you were there no i saw it on cltv i I saw it that day on cltv that explains it did did then i don't think (sighs) but the thing is everybody was like how horrifying it is and it's absolutely horrifying but that was not what my takeaway was my takeaway was everybody that dies pretty much sees their death coming. Even if it's in a car wreck or a plane, you you kind of see it coming. And she didn't see it at all. I mean, that's instantaneous. And so what the fuck was she thinking about? And likely, I don't know, but likely the narrative I tell is she was probably thinking about bullshit because that's what we think about. We think about our bills and we think about our fucking petty squabbles at work and all the crap, you know, and even though I still think about all those things, every once in a while I have, about every morning I think about that and like, Let's hope that today, if the plate glass comes from my fucking head, I'm thinking about something fun. I'm fucking or I'm singing or I'm <laughs> telling a story or I'm doing something that I would love to be able to say. Maybe I, you're doing I, I all doing three this. at the same time. That would Just be a great organism. When the, when the mirror, when the mirror above wife. your bed falls on you. <laughs> yeah. His wife is a musician. He's met my wife. That is very conceivable with all three things we have. Uh, can we, that's the next question, please. <laughs> well, I don't need that. Well, but I do love the looking back piece because when – when you do something like quit your job or go into the arts or something like that, everyone looks at you and says, well, how, what are you going to do? Like, do, how, how are you going to make money? Like, and they ask you all these questions and you sit there and you say, I don't really have any freaking clue, but I will find a way to make it happen versus the opposite, which is 
everyone sits there and says, for the next 50 years, here's how I'm going to make money and retire. And then they never get around to doing any of the things. Yeah. That I, I've been do. waiting to say this. Okay, so here's my, here's my time. This is a perfect time. Okay, so do you guys know Simon, Simon Sinek? 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 A lot of what we teach is based on Simon. Okay. says. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to, I'm you sure you said this in a show before, but I've actually brought this. So so this is whole idea, this concept of starting with why instead of what. He right? loves this. Which He's is, really on this I'm right obsessed with it right this. now. It's the best. We He's an epiphany. Tyler's an epiphany guy. Yeah. And that you know what I'm talking about when I say an epiphany guy? It's yeah. Like, it's like every... No, we don't know what epiphany six is. Would weeks, you like no. to define it for us? <laughs> hey, you didn't know what Flatsom was. Um, like every Doctor. six weeks, he reads something that changes his life. Oh, I feel like I'm, I'm kind I'm of the, the same, same way. Yeah. Okay. It's actually not true, Because <laughs> I've only read two books. And <laughs> We're just not as cynical as uh, you. Uh, maybe maybe that's a lot of ideas, though. Anyway, the point about this Simon guy, which is cool, and which builds on that, in a sort of kind of revolutionized the way that I wake up in the morning. Epiphany and we, we just sort of changed our entire mission statement for our podcast because uh, his whole theory is you start with why instead of what. We were starting with what. Mm-hmm. And so I, he, I actually brought the two examples. So he gives, he talks about Apple. This and he says, good, yeah. he says, Apple starts with what? Then how, then why. So no, this, this would Apple be... Apple starts with a why. No, but, but this would be the bad example. Oh, sure, sure. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah, so yeah. he says, we make great computers. They're user-friendly, beautifully designed, and easy to use. Want to buy one? Right? So that's the, that's, that's the bad example. And then the good example would be starting with the why. So with everything we do, we aim to challenge the status quo. We aim to think differently. The how. Our products are user-friendly, beautifully designed, and easy to use. The what. We just happen to make good computers. You want to buy one? And so this idea of like starting with the why in your own life... And in telling your story, like you're not, I'm, when I told a story about how my partner had spinal surgery um, and like it was on the Risk podcast and it blew up over the internet and it was on this thing with Margaret Cho and all this stuff, like th- I started with the why of that story, which was why did I want to tell that story? Because I wanted to share with the world how trauma can completely transform your life. Not, I want to talk about surgery. Like, that wasn't right. the point. And the thing that's so funny is, and this is just from somebody outside of it, because I listened to it before he said it and, and before he told the story, and then I was there the night he told it. And I don't think it's a story about trauma, and I don't think it's a story about him, and I don't think it's a story about his uh, fiance. I don't think it's a, I think it's a story about how did, how did, he and his fiance's mother in China mm. find common ground. Right. That's to me. That's if you kids. What's that story about? That's what that story is about. Well, now in hindsight, too, like that's that's another why. Like Again. one of the threads of the story is my my partner had spinal surgery. He came out to his parents, and so there's the, it's sort of like two dueling threads that are happening at the same time in this story. You can find it at riskdashshow.com um, and oh, listen to it. But such a promoter. No, I mean, so people, no, and people are like, <laughs> what are we talking about? Let's talk about some story they've never heard before. But the point now in hindsight is that exists on the internet forever, and so the why for me now. In hindsight, is oh somebody could actually look at that as a coming out story who's living in China yeah. and having that sure. situation happen to them. So let yeah. me ask you this: that story aside, or that's probably part of it. Sure. But do you know your own personal life's why? Can you go to him first? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, it's funny though that you mentioned this because uh, I read your bio yeah. um, when when we were uh, doing some research earlier, and I was like, you have all the elements of the Simon Sinek thing in there, but. It's just the opposite direction. It's in the wrong order. Yeah. So yeah. it's if you I need to redo my bio. Yeah. Up, yeah. So. Okay. Yeah. Good. We can help you with that. Pro tip. This is what we do for a business. Pro tip. Pro tip. I mean, I, I like. You're gonna deconstruct this probably, but why? What makes me happiest is I this right here, like talking to people. Yeah. And maybe that's a what. Um, it's part of it. I'm too old to even have a a, 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 a affirming answer to that question. Why do you do what you do, Don Hall? We all want to know. The why of Don Hall is so that I can wake up the next morning and do some more stuff. <laughs> I bet. I mean, it's really almost. But so, a, so would you say almost, it is survival? I don't look at you and survival. say this guy's about survival. Maybe no, you I, are. Well, it's a, it's very much a Mad Max thing, you know. I mean, I, I got when Mad Max Fury Road came out, everybody was arguing it. Oh, the woman is the hero. Yeah, because Mad Max is not the hero of any and of those know, movies. Yeah. That's not. He's not a hero. He's an antihero. He's a reluctant hero. He does not give a shit about any of these people until he gives a shit about them. All his only agenda is, I want to get up 
in the morning. I want to have enough gas for my fucking kick-ass ride, and I want to go places. Because in the first movie, my wife and kid were killed, and I don't have a reason to live other than just getting up and doing things. And my why, I've got lots of things that I love, and a lot of people that I love. My wife, Tyler. You pointed at me. I did oh, point sorry, at you. I, I was going to get there. You know, my, But ultimately, what is my why? I know what I'm good at. I know what I suck at. I want to get better at the things I suck at. I want to continue to do the things I'm good at and get better. And I want to get up every morning and try to do these things. That's really it. you know. And I, I don't have any illusions that I'm important or that I'm special or that I'm going to change the world or that I'm going to make a lot of fucking money or who gives a fuck about all that shit. I just want to get up in the morning and experience life and do the things that I like to do. And every now and again, I'm going to have to do shit that I don't want to do, but that's mm. so that I can get to the place where I get to do the things I want to do. And it's yeah. not that complicated. My therapist and I talk about values a lot. And I think that, you know, three of my values are uh, to create, to learn and to share. And I think the learn awesome. one is actually probably more of the why for me. Yeah. Like, I'm just, I'm always curious. Like if I'm sitting across from, who did we talk to that was cool? Stephen Yun from yeah. The Walking Dead. Yeah, okay, he was cool. so we talked to Stephen, and I went to college with Stephen, and I know about Stephen's sort of his life and all that stuff. But what I wanted to f- find out was what was it like to be on the set of a major television show the first day, having never done TV before. Whereas Don was curious I about what, what it was like to be an Asian American in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. So we had two different yeah. curiosities, but. But okay, satisfied. Can I, can I cut you yes, off? Please there? cut me off. Oh, okay, so listening to what you, you just said about yourself, and then you telling that, I look. At, so we've become really good at this now because we teach workshops on finding your own why, and we can just give you the worksheets if you want to. Great, fill them yes, out yourself and, and filter it down. I'm That'd Irish. Awesome. We don't uh, psychoanalyze. This, so <laughs> really, you know. I, I love that. I want that yeah. worksheet. Right. Um, so listening to you talk, and then you just say that just now. I look at you and think that your personal why is having an understanding of the human experience. Sure. Mm. And then the how is something around, uh, like, so you could say, I believe in understanding the human experience. I do this by, that's your how, or we phrase it as your purpose. Uh, I do this by something around that survival aspect. It's like learning enough to get through the next day, something around that. That's what I see it as for you. Sure. I'll buy that. Yeah, I mean, and the to, what is I to tell, me, to I me don't the stop how, talking. The, 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 the how is <laughs> swim as fast as I can, as often as I can. That's you know, it's like once in a while I'm gonna have to tread water and just yeah. hope the fucking plate glass doesn't come while I'm fucking swimming. Oh, God. Yeah. yeah, the plate glass. You know, yeah. oh, but man. I didn't get my analysis. What's my? Well, yeah. well, yours is rooted in like once in a lifetime changes. <laughs> That's like, all he wants. I actually here. wanted it. Yeah, you're like you're know, Don's your point like, of the okay, trauma. Cool. Sure, sure. That's cool. No, but like your point of the trauma and your point of. Um, what's it like to be on that set the first day? Not in general, just that first day, those massive life-changing mm. moments yeah. and the stories that come out of them. Yeah. Is your, so it, it's really understanding or hearing or learning about yeah. um, those once-in-a-lifetime life-changing moments. It's yeah. almost like like the like transformation or, or what's the transformative yeah, things that are out moments. there. That's what we try to do in our show too. And yeah. as we were spending, I was spending the last three weeks making this mission statement. It was oh, really, you're going to say prepping for this no, show. The, for the <laughs> show. <laughs> I, I haven't slept for three weeks. <laughs> He's actually, like, like, we prepping didn't even prep for, for the show. show. But, but, and I didn't even realize it was happening, but an hour ago. So I was like, I but we, we sit and we, we, I throw like nine, 97 questions on a piece of paper, just any question. And then he looks at the ones that he really likes and he stars them. And then we, come and we we winnow it down to like 12 questions and then and i those, reword them so they sound like human well, and that's fine asked. whatever but <laughs> neither here nor there the point being that we find those questions right because yeah. it's like you know no offense to terry gross i love terry gross i love mark mira and mark mira and i love i love uh just mostly those two in their interviews um but what i think that we do really well is that we find those questions yeah. and we're really interested in those things that and we often surprise our guests like sometimes they're like what that's wow. my favorite response is I never, I've never been asked that question before. <laughs> um, and one of the things, well, it's one of the things that I We're like. We're being very self-congratulatory right now, well, you and I. <laughs> the thing, the th- the, I guess this, this is what I would say that I, that I, that I like about in terms of our podcast. What I like about our podcast is that, uh, is that we really are genuinely curious about the things that we're curious about. We don't, I mean, there is that pressure of like, okay, you've got an audience and and you want to communicate to that audience. So you kind of want to know what they want to know. I, I, I could give a fuck. I don't know what my, <laughs> I mean, I don't know what the, I have to hope. Like it, when I used to, I used to direct theater, I directed theater for 20 years. And I always said that 
A good director can get people up on stage and tell a compelling story. A fantastic director can create something that pleases them so much and they just happen to have enough in common with so many other people, with enough people that those people can go, I see the same thing you just put on mm-hmm. stage. You know, I see that when you wake up and see Argyle, I see Argyle too. We're all going to see the same thing. This is the righteous thing to do. And I, I have to believe that I'm at least in tune enough with humanity <laughs> that what makes me tick, that what makes me go, what the fuck? makes enough people out there yeah. that go what the fuck about the same shit that we get to see it and then it works if furries are a thing there's an audience for everything exactly right <laughs> exactly right i mean there are, there's a guy that owns a, a, an oscar meyer hot dog museum and people i don't know come why it, so. but bon jovi's image just came to my head when you said that <laughs> furries why does that happen to me weird things like that happen that's very to me. strange that's funny. there's nothing <laughs> about bon jovi and furries well no. except for furries like to fuck the living in the prayer his... i don't know <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Is that the song you're singing and dancing to and dying at the same time? When you said Bon Jovi, he said furries. I saw two guys, one dressed as a giant squirrel, one dressed as a dog, and they're humping, and you hear, oh, living on a... And I'm like, okay, there we're there. I saw it in my head. I don't know. All right. That's the story. That's the narrative I went to. We got about like 10 minutes left here-ish, and I want to get into a couple things in this last 10 minutes here, one of which is I got to challenge you on the wrestling Bring it. Bring it. So... You guys had a podcast on general admission. Um, I don't know if it was recent or if it was long ago. It's no, it's last recent. season. It was yeah. okay. last recent. Yeah. Okay. So you had an episode where you got together, you watched WrestleMania 3, you watched WrestleMania 31, and then you kind of like just commiserated over it, essentially, mm-hmm. and talked about what you experienced with it. Now, I'm bringing this up in this, up in this episode because wrestling is very much a story, and it's a never-ending story, and that's why I like it. And I would argue that stories are an art form. But you said wrestling has elements of art in it, but it is not an art form. D- explain that position first, and then I'll give you my This rebuttal. is going to take longer than 10 minutes. Yeah, yeah. This <laughs> Condense it down. Condensed. Okay, this is what I will say. Um, the wrestlers don't write the stories. The wrestlers are participants in stories written by other people. The stories are artfully done. There is art that goes into that. But it's sort of like, I guess, I guess the, in, in, in terms of this example... It's sort of like saying that the sous chef is the chef and the sous chef's not the chef. The sous chef cuts up the food to create the ingredients for the chef's creation. Okay. And so the wrestlers are not the artists. I mean, they're artists of, of a, of a performative aspect, but in terms of creating the stories, they're performing the stories. Yeah. And that's, that's a different thing. And I guess it really goes to the heart of Who's who's the more artistic, the violin player playing Beethoven or Beethoven? Beethoven created the fucking symphony. That's not, the art. He's not asking a question more interpretation. Or less. He's saying is or is or is not. So I'll okay. I'm just, so I'm I'm just see, saying, I see I don't what think you're saying. Wrestling is an art form. I think wrestling okay. is an entertainment, but that doesn't necessarily make it an art form. Now I see and, what you're saying yeah. in the fact that they are performing a story someone else wrote. They have yeah. a team of writers and everything, right? And then they a lot of times they tell wait. Them I what thought to say. it was real. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> just drops the headphones and walks away. <laughs> <laughs> that was like the these equivalent mics of a mic would be drop. really hard. <laughs> to drop. Always wanted to do. Yeah, that. we get in trouble. We drop. Always wanted to do that. Okay, but what. I don't know if you're understanding this part about wrestling, though, or acknowledging it is the act of them wrestling each other in itself is telling a story because they have to work with each other in to figure moment. out what are the high spots of the match going to be. Yeah. So like the whole Hogan lifting up Andre and hurting his back, that match carries no momentum if he doesn't decide to do that. And him and Andre the Giant beforehand work out, let's do a fake pickup and I'm going to hurt my back and not pick you up and yeah. you're going to fall on me. And on the indie circuit, like where Colt Cabana, who will yeah. be releasing an episode out very shortly, I mean, they do write the stories. Yeah. Like they don't totally. have a team of writers. Totally. So like when it, even when you get on that microscopic level, like it really does become an, an art form in that way. Yeah. Right. So I look yeah. at it, there's the story as in like, what are they, why do, why are they fighting in the first place? Like what's that element of it? And then the fight itself is, there's so many intricacies within that where they go, you have to because you have to build up, right? You oh, don't yeah. you don't start the match by doing the finishing move. 
you you do some headlines. And then when you get you to the top of that ladder, it gets really yeah, hard exactly. to climb. And like, but like all that stuff, that's times, all involved yeah. in it too. And, I and think, that's where I say that's the art form and as well. I think, and I think that a plumber has lots of in- <laughs> intricate things to do when he fixes your toilet. It's very complicated and there's a lot of steps and he's got to really prepare for that. And yet, fixing a toilet's not art. And so what I'm no, going to say okay. is there is there is a perspective that I, I and, and I do think it's a razor's edge. I do understand the fine that line. Was the, that was the name of a wrestling movie back I, in the day, I'm by sure. the way. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so was the salty Biffin and the suck bunker. Ah. I know, I got it. They're all wrestling moves. But the point is, is I, I know that there's a fine line of what is art and what is not art. And part of my fun, part of my how, is to say completely provocative things that are absolutely going to piss yeah. people off <laughs> to get the conversation started. Totally. Because totally. in this day and age, I don't hear a lot of people talking about what is and is not art. But at what point do you fall on your sword? Because earlier we were talking about admitting when we're wrong. And when we, you know, so you've been publicly shamed well, see, or whatever. This is the thing. Like, at there what is point no do you... right. That's the beautiful thing about these questions. There is no right. It's subjective. Yeah. There's no right or wrong to these questions. So all I'm doing is saying these provocative things so Careful. that we can have the you're discussion. Having, you're having a wizard moment. You're lifting the veil. Don't tell yeah. don't, don't really, them. It's not the thing about it is I'm not that fucking clever to have a veil. <laughs> I'm just that you know it's, it's, it's But so even on that yeah. point though, and, and like I, I get what you're saying and I agree, yeah. it's like it's a good jump off point for the conversation. Uh from my end, what I and like we've talked about this a ton, but like I've actually had to train myself this year to like one thing I'm focusing on this year is removing judgment. And that's where I stop saying things is things are or are not. And I say instead, this is my opinion of it, or this is how I feel about it because I can't decide what's art for you and you can't decide what's art for me. Exactly. But it's way more fun. It's way more <laughs> But actually you're fun. both wrong and this, I have a, oh wait, we're out of time. That, that's, that's the thing is, because I know, on the, I know, I know for a fact because they're incredibly popular movies that the Transformer movies are very popular, that people really think they're great. I think they're shit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think they're do. shit and, 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 and I'm going to say they're shit and I'm not going to say Say, it's my opinion that they're shit because I said it, so it's implied that it's my opinion. And in this day and age, it's way but more fun to watch people go come into a no thing offense, and want to just no throw offense, it out. No disrespect. Can we, can we get a cage match going, you and I? Meeting for the very first time, having you sit down with, with all due respect, like, total love. Yeah, we're meeting. We're meeting for the very first time. We're getting ready for the interview. I've got a couple fucking bones. To come <laughs> no, that I like that. I like is that. an yeah. instant make a good point. Can we, make a good point. Can we agree that Transformers is a movie, though? <laughs> yeah, it is a movie. Oh, no. okay, good. He's got okay, a. Good. It's actually a series <laughs> of individual. <laughs> he had like a little that... like. It's a movie, but <laughs> well, I was th- I was gonna say, is he saying it's not a film? <laughs> oh Jesus! I don't know where we were going. Okay, one he more topic. Before, reading and listening is the same. Before we wrap up, yes, because I saw you had this in your bio somewhere online, Don, or right or some blog post. But sure. What is so Star Wars is a long saga of stories. What's yeah. the best way to watch Star Wars? Okay, the best way to watch Star Wars, and I can't remember what the what the We're actually thinking of doing an yeah. episode on this our is, show where we do this. Okay. Yeah, this, right. is, I haven't this is the teaser. This, yeah. this, this is the trailer. <laughs> yeah, this actually this was come up by somebody other than me, and I can't remember the name of the guy that came up with this. But what you do is is right now you want to make it all about Luke. Luke is the center of the thing, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So you start with episode four. Let me wait a minute, let me back up. Yeah. Yes. I got to remember how this goes. It's episode four, you know, right? So it's all Luke. Then Empire Strikes Back. Now we're stopping with, we've got, all hell is broken loose. The hand's been cut up. Luke, I'm your father. Um, Carbonite Han. Then you go to episode two. Okay, and now it's a flashback about Obi Wan and the Clone Wars, and you start huh. to see the seeds of "I am your who's your who's his father." Oh, now we get to see that. Then you go to three, you get to see him become Darth Vader. Then you go to Return of the Jedi and end it. And so it's like that second chunk. You just get rid of the fucking Phantom Menace. Yeah, I was going to say it was Episode One. Not in there, it's or? gone. It's gone. <laughs> I grew but then up two on the Phantom Menace. <laughs> well, you know, I'm just kidding. You know, but yeah, like that, that. That way, it makes like two and three become a flashback. All right. And is then this... you end with saying, yes, this is really Luke's story. Okay. And you also get rid of the fucking midichlorians, which is the bullshit yep, move yep, yep, yep. of all time. This is where I'm so like, they just ruined it. So yeah, <laughs> two, two, and so it's, so what is it? It's four, five, two, three, six. That's what it is. That's this is code. Star Trek, right? No, <laughs> I will beat you to death. All okay, right, be- so as we wrap it up. Wait, hang on, hang on. Oh, sorry. Oh. Because you answered that way quicker than I thought you would. Now I got to ask Tyler a question before we all wrap right, up. All right, let's do it. Okay. So we know as part of stories and everything, and you see you do like the editing of the of the show and all that stuff. And 
obviously a big part of stories are the characters and what roles are people playing. Now, in your own life, when you look at either your work with WBEZ or separately, how do you feel like you come into a certain role that you're playing? So like in this case, it's like you're the one who's doing you're your co-host of your show, but then you're the one who's also doing the the legwork. Let's the call long it the long suffering one. Yeah, the, the long suffering one. And Don's like the mouthpiece, so to speak. How is how do you think that came about where and obviously a lot of it is just naturally like personalities, yeah. but how do you become comfortable with playing that role of someone else being mouthpiece and you're doing a lot of the legwork? Um well, I don't know that I would use the word comfort. Uh it's <laughs> <laughs> um no, in all seriousness, um I mean, I think when we talked about like picking questions together like we are genuinely curious in figuring out things about people that other people haven't figured out before like that is where we connect and if we didn't connect there all of the other sort of administrative stuff that i am in charge of that a lot of those things i filter through him because it's important that we have a shared vision of a thing um all of those those fights all those arguments all of those non-arguments and non-fights would be pointless if if we didn't have that shared connection. Yeah. Um, I feel like, uh, in a sense, though, the word mouthpiece is interesting because, um, I mean, we're both speaking on the show, so we're yeah. both mouthpieces. But there's a lot of behind-the-scenes mouthpiecing that mm-hmm. goes on. I just made that word up. Um, negotiating the way that this show is put on the internet. I'm holding up the mission statement again. Okay. Um, what our website looks like, who we, who I hire for interns. Eventually, if we start making money, how the compensation works for that, like who gets paid, if we get paid, how we get paid. Um, that is, I think, also a mouthpiece. And so negotiating that... Uh, is really hard, yeah. especially when that takes 20 hours for that show a week. Then I work 40 hours for him here at WBEZ and I another five to 10 for the moth. And then I have like five to 10 hours for my fiance. So it's like, <laughs> you know, it's tough. It's extremely tough. And if someone's listening to this and they're empathizing, don't stop doing it. I mean, I would say figure out, make sure you know why you're doing it. And, well, if and, anybody's and, doing their thing because they want to be famous or sit on their ass a lot, you're really not doing yeah. your thing unless right. your thing is sitting on your ass a lot. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know if I answered that question, but. No, but it's like, I, I get it. What you're saying is it's like, there are different forms of being a mouthpiece, yeah. right? Yeah. Or, or playing, it's like, while he might be like the talker on the show, you're the talker everywhere else. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And he I mean, talks on the show. We talk we're pretty, on the show. We're no, no, I'm not saying balance. you don't, but I'm saying like. He provokes. Yeah, I that, provoke. that's a good way to put I it. I do yeah, provoke. Right? He's the one yeah. throwing out. Yeah. yeah and he's the nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's, in the good cop, bad cop, I am definitely, and almost always am, the bad cop. So you're but, Liam Neeson? And he just like. Yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> and he just inherently talks more. And it's just what he does. So it it's is like, what but, I do. But again, to the why, like. And, and and it took me a while to learn this, actually, even with Don, but with myself and with my relationship and with people around me, like allowing people to be who they are is like the easiest thing in the world, but people don't do it. Like they really have a hard time letting people be who they are, mm-hmm. like especially in huge corporations, like let people succeed <laughs> like l- let yeah. them shine let them do what they do best he provokes so to, to tell him not to provoke is pointless right. would be yeah. we, we wouldn't have a show it would be That's stupid yeah. tell him the motto of ideal i'm in right now it yeah. took me that be long you are the oh, reason just, that, blood pressure went that <laughs> very answer let people be themselves is why i'm on my third marriage so uh <laughs> it's a hard lesson to learn yeah okay. all right so here's how we ra- before we wrap up uh Plug whatever you need to plug. Yep. Where can we find you guys and tell us about the shows you guys do? GeneralAdmissionChicago.com is the website. You can get to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, wherever you get podcasts. Apparently PodBay now on, on Android. Uh, I don't know when this episode is coming out. It'll be in October. Okay, so we'll have new episodes coming out th- all the way through the end of, of October for our season five. We've done over 50 episodes now. Um, TheMoth.org is where you can find out to, where to see our shows. You have a blog. I have a blog, DonHallChicago.com, Notes of an Angry White Guy. You really don't want to read it. No, I I was reading it on the way here. I enjoyed it. Okay, there you go. (laughs) WBEZ.org slash events is where we do our events for for public media. Come see a WBEZ event, and if if you want me to plug something, I will plug. If if you listen to WBEZ but you don't donate, 
you're a dick. So, <laughs> so give us some money. That's a pull quote. I'm not a dick. I've donated before. There, that's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Become a member because you're getting it for free, and uh, you should give us some money because we do good work on this. The, the, our reporters are the best reporters in the city of Chicago. So, Fantastic. all right, perfect. So here's the quick wrap up of the show. Very concisely, we go one by one and give our answer to the topic question for today, which is how, how do, do you, you create or tell stories that people care about? We'll start with Martin. Go to me. Down to Tyler. Good. So I think the first way to figure that out is to get to know yourself and then, as was put in the episode, not make yourself the center of the attention. Um, I know back when I was writing uh, something called The Perpetual Walk of Shame, my friend kept asking me when it's coming out, and I said, not until I've lived it. <laughs> and so uh, it's been on the back burner until I've gotten over those wounds, as we had said earlier. Rapid fire. We got 90 seconds left. Uh, my answer is very similar to that. Think about what's in it for them, not what's in it for me. Think about the common universality. What do you have in common with everybody else on the planet? Don't, be, don't be afraid of an editor, and you're not a hero. Tyler Green and Don Hall from WBEZ. Thank you guys so much for joining the podcast. Thanks Thanks a lot. That was fun. Thank you. That was the nail in the coffin on our conversation with Tyler Green and Don Hall. Guys, thank you so much for joining us. That was like an intense, action-packed hour, but a ton of fun as well. Don, I swear to you, I will continue to fight you tooth and nail on the merits of pro wrestling as a form of storytelling. Damn it. If you guys want to find more of what Don and Tyler are doing, you can check out the show notes, both on idealemon.com as well as in the iTunes show description. We've linked up everything they talked about. But I also want to let you know that since we recorded that episode, General Admission and WBEZ decided to part ways. So General Admission, Don and Tyler's podcast, is actually in search of a new network home right now. So if you know someone, if you can host them, whatever, if you can get them in touch or get them on with the right people, General Admission is looking for a new home, and no one wants to be homeless, so help them find a home. While you're doing things for people that are nice and friendly, could you please leave a rating and review on our podcast here, or subscribe to it on iTunes? That helps more people find the show, and therefore, more people can discover their inner awesome. Before we part ways, this show's theme song is by Sidewalk Chalk. The song is called Lyrically Free. It's off their debut album, Corner Store, which you can grab on iTunes, Spotify, and if this is still a thing, wherever records are sold. That wraps up this edition of Discover Your Inner Awesome. Thank you again to Don Hall and Tyler Green. For Martin McGovern, I am Rajiv Nathan. Until next time, we'll see you. That was fun. That was 